You're listening to the Million Praying Moms podcast, where we believe every mom is uniquely designed by God, but also a part of something much bigger than she could ever be alone. We're authors and moms, Erin Mooring and Brooke McLaughlin, and we're here to help you make prayer your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. Tune in each week to real life conversations with the experts about real issues Christian parents face today. If you're ready to learn practical ways to focus on Christ as you seek wisdom and hope for the difficult job of raising children in today's world, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. Hey there, friends. You're listening to episode number 46 of the Million Praying Moms podcast, where each week we're talking about the real issues Christian parents face today and helping you make prayer your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. Before we get started, Brooke and I want to let each of you know that you have been in our prayers over the last month or so as entire lives have been turned upside down by the COVID-19 pandemic. Absolutely. We are right there with you, friends. Both of our husbands are working as first responders in this mess, and we're home with all of our boys juggling work, education, and all the mom things, just like you are. So many things have changed because of COVID-19, and among them, the way we're delivering our signature resource for moms, Pray the Word Journal. Many of you have been emailing to ask when the spring edition of Pray the Word Journal will be releasing, and until recently, we haven't really known how to answer that question. You see, toward the end of March of this year, it became clear to us that we weren't going to be able to get your physical copies of the journal. Because we have our journals printed in China, they were stuck. In fact, we realized that it might be 2021 or even later before those journals would even see their way to the U.S., Maybe never. So we pivoted, which is what a lot of businesses are having to do these days to stay alive. We took our beautiful spring journal, which focuses on praying through the book of Mark, and made it available online as a digital download. You can purchase it now by following the link in our show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. Okay, allow us just a moment to tell you about this edition. It's our favorite. And I know we say that every time, but friends, there is something special about this one. We create the content for these journals six to nine months in advance, and we had no way of knowing what life would bring. No one knew we would be in the midst of a quarantine when this content became available. No one except the one who knows all. And boy, did he know. This edition, which takes us on a prayer journey through the book of Mark, is the most gospel-centric version of Pray the Word Journal to date. Inside, you'll pray for yourself and your children to do things like follow Jesus, be amazed by Jesus, do whatever it takes to get to Jesus, listen to Jesus, proclaim Jesus, be satisfied with Jesus, and so much more. Guys, I cannot think of better prayers than those for such a time as this. Head over to millionprayingmoms.com right now to find the link you need to purchase your copy of Pray the Word Journal, Mark Edition, right now. It's easier than ever to get access, and now, because we're offering it as a digital download, it's available outside of the United States. I think that's fantastic news, and we're so thankful that the Lord has made this option available to us. Now, Erin, let's go ahead and dive into today's show. 
We have a very special show planned for you today, friends. Two guests for the price of one, so to speak, <laughs> to talk to us about healthy ways to handle work, school, and family stress during this quarantine. David Thomas is no stranger to our listeners, having been on the podcast multiple times. In fact, you can just go to our show notes at millionprayingmoms.com and we'll list out the episodes that he's been a part of in the past. We'll do the same for, for Sissy Goff in just a minute. But just in case you haven't had the opportunity to hear about him, David is the Director of Family Counseling at Daystar Counseling in Nashville, Tennessee. He is the co-author of eight books including the best-selling Wild Things, The Art of Nurturing Boys, which is what first hooked Aaron and I on his wisdom. And most recently, Are My Kids on Track? The 12 Emotional, Social, and Spiritual Milestones Your Child Needs to Reach. He is a frequent guest on national television and podcasts, including his own with Sissy Goff and Melissa Trevathan called Raising Boys and Girls, and has been featured in publications like USA Today and speaks across the country. He and his wife, Connie, have a daughter, twin sons, and a feisty yellow lab named Owen, which we love having those labs in common. Sissy Goff, another frequent guest on our show, is the Director of Child and Adolescent Counseling at Daystar Counseling Ministries, where she works alongside her counseling assistant and pet therapist, Lucy the Havanese. I'm sensing a dog theme here today. (laughs) (laughs) Since 1993, she has been helping girls and their parents find confidence in who they are and hope in who God is making them to be, both as individuals and families. Sissy is a sought-after speaker for parenting events and the author of 11 books, including the best-selling Raising Worry-Free Girls and braver, stronger, smarter. Sissy is a regular contributor to various podcasts and publications, including foxnews.com, as well as the podcast we just mentioned. While we've had both of our guests on the show before, we've never had this opportunity to have them on together. So we're very excited. David and Sissy, welcome to the show. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having us. We love being back with you. you. Yes. (laughs) You guys hanging in there? We are. What we are a, hanging in. What a crazy time we're living through right now. Yes. So I have to say, I just realized, David, you have some work to do because Sissy has written more books than you have. She has. <laughs> and that is but one area of where I cannot keep up with her. <laughs> I can't. There are a lot of areas I just can't keep up with her. I, I, I threw in the towel on trying long ago. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, we're very excited to have both of you on the show today. And I think this is a really important topic that we're going to be covering because so many moms are struggling to find this work, school, family balance um, while they're living in quarantine. You know, to be honest, Erin and I as moms and as business and ministry owners are also struggling to find this kind of balance. And Erin has a little one to throw in the mix. My two are older and a little more self-sufficient. Her, she has a little one and, and that just throws everything um, off track, having the kids in the home. Some of our moms are, are now working from home, educating their kids at home, and juggling all of their other responsibilities as well. And I think it's an understatement to say that this is super stressful. This is a super stressful time for moms in the home. And I I know that you guys, because you're counselors, you're running your practices from your own homes right now. So things look different for you all too. 
but I wondered if you could set things up for us today by telling us what effects from this quarantine are you seeing in the families that you both serve? What are the common stressors that families are facing right now as we're, as we're doing our best in this time? I would say one that speaks to the very thing you just named a few minutes ago, which just feels so important to acknowledge time and time again, is we didn't choose this. None of us chose these circumstances. You know, even if this had been an option, we would not have chosen the very thing you just named. Like, I wonder if I could work full time from home <laughs> while also educating children and we'll all be in the same house and we can't really go anywhere. Like, yeah, who would wouldn't that choose, be cool? <laughs> really? Who would choose that option? And I've appreciated just how much I've read online where the distinction I think has been wisely made of you know, so many folks have said, you're not homeschooling. That's, that's a path of schooling that someone chose. They prayed about, they researched it. They found their favorite curriculum They you know, all the different parts and pieces of that path of educating. This was brought upon us and again, wasn't chosen. And, and as you just named, we get to do it alongside trying to work full time and figuring out how would you do that with small children in the house, the, the very example that you named a few minutes ago. So I just, I don't think we could speak enough to that because I find parents are time and time again, going to some version of the question of what am I doing wrong? You know, why is this not working? And my response first is it shouldn't be working. You didn't choose this. This isn't meant to work, <laughs> quote unquote work. Certainly there are, you know, different practices we can implement that I think make it work a little bit better, but but extend grace to yourself to say those things on the front side. I think of really every day. I didn't choose this. This isn't designed to work well. People aren't supposed to be running a full-time business or working full-time in the home while also caring for children and educating them. Like that's why schools exist. That's why I chose that path. Sissy, I don't know what you would add. Well, you know, so it's been so interesting. We've both been remote counseling through this whole process via Zoom and to watch the progression of what we're hearing from kids and what we're hearing from parents both, because it's really shifted. And, and I think, and I mean, cause I've been so entrenched in this anxiety world now for however long since those books came out, I, kids were really anxious on the front end before we were quarantined. And so I anticipated that continuing through and, and it has been fascinating because kids are really okay. I mean, they don't seem okay often to parents because I think there's more infighting with siblings. And so, and kids are a little more volatile emotionally to some degree, but I think that's more a a lack of stimulation that they're used to than anything else. It's just boredom. And we all know that boredom sparks creativity. And so I think there are all these great opportunities for kids. And I mean, Really, out of the kids that I counsel, I would say 90% of the kids that have been really anxious hop on and they're like, I'm having fun. I'm doing great. I'm playing with my friends. I'm out, or not my friends. I'm playing with my siblings who are more like friends now than before. And I'm getting to run outside and I've learned to ride a bike and teenagers that are learning to drive. I mean, it's been fascinating. And then the parents hop on and the parents are exhausted and panicked and feel anxious themselves. And so I think I left David's kind of mantras that he gave us. And I would add to that, kids are okay. And, and, and I think that's part of parents' panic is I'm not doing enough for them. They're falling apart. They're really not. They're okay. And so as much as you can hang in there and realize they've got this and you just keep doing what you're doing and give yourself grace. 
knowing that they're going to make it through this. And, and my guess is they're going to come out a lot stronger for it. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of parents are stressed about, are my kids going to be okay through this? And it's good to hear that. It's good that they are. We're having the same experience that you just talked about, Sissy. Two of my kids finally learned to ride their bikes because they didn't have a million things that needed to be done. Right. And they had the opportunity to go, oh, I have time to try and get out there and do this. I would say one of the stressors I noticed, I, when I sent my kids to school the first time, because um, we homeschooled for a while, when I sent them to school for the first time, it was after school that all of a sudden I got all these emotions and, and everything kind of like spilled out. And a friend told me that's totally normal because this is their safe space. Like they've been at school all day and they, they um, have been on their best behavior and then they get home and everything spills out. And I feel like we've had that stress at the beginning and it's getting better, but of it's all coming out all the time. And that's what's stressing us out is we are getting everything, all the energy they would have burned at school, at recess, all the social time that they had with their friends. Like we have to be all of that now. And I'm noticing it, like you said, the kids are getting along a little bit better, you know, playing more like friends than siblings because they have to, but it kind of ebbs and flows. And we have, you know, we had a time yesterday, even, you know, we're weeks into this and I thought, I don't know how to use up all his energy. Like (laughs) there's a lot of it. And then the next day it'll be like, oh, they found a way to use it and they're good. But it's a little bit of that stress of, I just don't know what the next day is going to hold because you're with them all the time and you're getting everything all the time in this safe space. So I love, I love both those perspectives of like the kids are going to be okay. We don't need to stress about that as much, but also we don't have to know how to do this. Right. The other thing I was going to share is that my husband's a physician and they're in that position of how do we do this? Right. And you know, the thing is, we, they haven't done this before. This is all new to them as well. And that's a stressor for them in their work in how do we handle this right? None of us know how to handle this right in any way because we haven't done it before. And I think that's really important to remember. Okay, so we've talked about the stress. So part of what we want to offer our listeners today is not just naming the stress, <laughs> but understanding what it looks like to handle this kind of stress in healthy and positive ways. But I think we need to know what unhealthy coping looks like first. So let's take a minute to contrast the two and start with what's unhealthy coping in this unknown season look like? I would say uh, a first way we could maybe think about it would be when we think, we talk a lot and are my kids on track about regulation and really the milestone of resourcefulness is all about taking the emotion to something constructive. And if you even think about that phrasing, taking the emotion is, is active. It's not passive. It's active. It's, you know, it's effortful in some way. And I think if we think about regulating emotions as effortful, I'm doing something useful. That's maybe a great way to think about the difference between the two. Whereas, you know, just suppressing emotion, avoiding it, denying it, that sort of thing is, it's passive. I'm not doing anything. And so I think I'll, I'll share a personal example for me. I'm not saying this anybody else's example, but 
I have noticed I, I am an emotional eater. And so that's my go-to. I'm raising my hand right now, too. <laughs> thank okay. you for being with me. And an and emotional th- baker, too, thank which is you. a bad combination. Oh, I'm not even a baker, and I have become one during quarantine, which is, <laughs> and that's not out of creativity or I should learn a new skill set. <laughs> it's just been because I want to consume more carbohydrates. That's all it's about. Yes. <laughs> and so I, I commented to my wife the other day, I was like, if you see me standing in the pantry for longer than 30 seconds, like just go ahead and assume nothing good is happening. Like if I go to the pantry to get an item that I need, that's great because I'm baking something or making something or helping with dinner. But if I'm just standing and looking at things, there's no reason to be in the pantry for over a minute <laughs> ever. But I'm in the pantry all the I'm I'm spending as much time in that room as any other room in my house right now. Just wonder what ingredients are here. What else could I eat? Oh, I didn't get enough chips last time I was at the store. I mean, just mindless, <laughs> passive. And, and, you know, what that's going to lead to is just the the numbing out of eating that will provide a little bit of relief. And that's the thing, you know, that that mindless activity is going to provide a little bit of relief. We have to acknowledge that, but nothing long-term useful is going to come from that. So that would be the first distinction I would say we could all ask ourselves, whatever we're moving toward, is it active in some way? Is it effortful? Sissy, I don't know what you would add to that or take away rescue me from emotional eating. No, I'm with you. I totally get it. I mean, I, I think anything that's numbing right now, which there are a million things that we can be doing that are numbing that, you know, we would know to excess is concerning. And, and so whatever you typically do, that's numbing, I think to be aware of, are you doing an, an excess right now? And you know, what's the long-term picture of where that moves. And at the same time, I mean, we are definitely saying to parents, I mean, cause I'm feeling convicted about numbing as we're telling parents this, it's really okay for kids to be on screens more than usual. It's really okay even to jump right. on social media platforms that they wouldn't have right now because they need to be connecting and you need time fillers. And so, you know, I think we want to be aware as always, and maybe a little more aware, and we want to give ourselves more grace at the same time. So it's like that tricky balance of the two. Yeah, it's interesting. The first couple weeks of the quarantine, um, my husband is a first responder. So he is walking outside of the house as well. And the boys and I are here. And I think we spent all of us, you know, when, when he wasn't working, we spent a lot of time on the couch. And we weren't physical. We were like, just trying to, I don't know what we were trying to do. We just weren't moving. We really weren't moving that much. Survive. Yeah. I guess we were just trying to survive. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking at him about two weeks in and saying, Corey, we have to move. Like this is unhealthy. Like we're, we're past that initial, what in the world do we do with ourselves now that we're not running everywhere here, there, and the other in the evenings we're beyond that. We've got to get up and move now. So yeah. I think there's, there was, you know, our initial reaction, but now there's this, okay, this is long-term and we can't stay there because if we right. stay there, then we move into that excessive numbing that mm-hmm. you were just talking about. And so we've, we've just done really simple things like get up and take a walk every evening together or right. send boys out for a run, um, send them out on their bikes. We've had a fun, we live in a small area. And so we can do these kind of things, but we have this little game our, and our boys are teenagers, but they still like to ride bikes. They don't have driver's licenses yet, 
And so they will take off on their bikes and go hide somewhere in the neighborhood or in one of the adjacent neighborhoods. And, you know, we have to go find them or, you know, things like that. Or they're trying to run from us so we can't find them. And we just have found little ways to do something that gets us up off the couch. And and I will say too, David, we have the same issue with wanting to eat all the things like it's it's an issue it really is um and we're also you know we're all trying to be good humans and keep all of our restaurants open and so we're right. trying to eat out and, and things like that too so or, or you know bring take in and and I think the the point that I've heard the two of you make is that there is a certain amount of numbing that's and it's okay because we're trying to find our way and this is so abnormal so unusual but we have to know the difference between, you know, that, that gut reaction and that just trying to disengage a little bit from the stress and then moving over into excess. Am I, am I describing that correctly? That's it. That's so great. You said it better than we did. Yes, you did. (laughs) I have a quick question before we move on, because I'm, I'm an Enneagram seven, which my, my, uh, gut reaction is to avoid all pain (laughs) or bad emotions or anything. Um, So I struggle with the news and, and keeping up on what's going on. And so um, I wondered about what you're seeing with families, uh, kids or parents or both in how they're handling staying up to date without feeling stressed about it because that's been one of my struggles. I have had to disengage quite a bit from the news, not to numb, but just to keep myself from uh, being too fearful about it and, and continuing to trust Jesus in the middle of it rather than the news. So I'm wondering what you're seeing, what fam- how families are handling that. Are they keeping their kids informed? I have kids that want to know what's going on and think it's a science type of thing. Like they they take it as facts and it doesn't make them fearful. And I'm the opposite. I'm the type that I need to step away from news so that it doesn't overwhelm me and do that. What are you seeing? Are you seeing kids and parents talking about that when you have counseling sessions? Is there fear in what's going to happen with this and what's going to happen next? I would say for me, and then Sissy, I'd be curious what you're hearing parents say. Generally speaking, I think kids are not that interested in the news and teenagers even more so. And so I'm not hearing a lot of parents report, you know, kids are sneaking and watching or finding out more. I am hearing parents talk, I think, wisely, wonderfully about being aware of when they have it on that kids would overhear more than they would want them to be absorbing. But I really love, Aaron, what you said, because I think if we're going to err on one side or the other, I would say err on the side of getting less news rather than more. I mean, we certainly want to be informed, but I think, you know, even the way so much of the news written and broadcasted is communicated is, you know, designed to trigger fear. So we'll lean in farther and watch more. And I I agree with you. I just don't know that more of that is helpful to us right now, the right amount. And so I think my challenge to parents is just find a reliable source and watch as much as you need to, to stay informed and not more than that. I just don't think it's helpful. And, you know, I, I love that you even started that question with talking about your Enneagram number. I'd so much rather parents be spending time learning about the Enneagram right now than watching excessive (laughs) amounts of news. Like that to me is a great investment of having some extra time. We love that tool. We believe in it. I think 
all of the different layers of where that could benefit families different than just consuming, you know, um, and you all think about, we laugh about, um, I'll use my grandfather as an example, who's not with us anymore, but you know, he had a tendency to watch excessive amounts of news and, and it would change his affect. Like I, if I hadn't seen him for a while and I'd go visit, I could almost always tell what he'd been doing the last two hours when I was with him. Like he was agitated. He needed to report on it. And I think that's, that's true for all of us. Like it affects us deeply. And that's where that less is more equation I think is beneficial right now. Sissy, what would you say? I love that. I do. I think the Enneagram is so fascinating all the time, but especially right now I can be maybe three minutes into a conversation about COVID-19 and guess what someone's Enneagram number is. I think it feels like it highlights it more than anything we've ever done um, or been through. But um, I mean, so I heard somebody talk yesterday about worry in a way that I've never heard anyone talk about it. And they said, worry is actually a coping strategy. And I think the news for me just creates more worry and and worry is helpful when it's productive, when it leads us to action rather than inaction. And it does feel like the news keeps us in the spiral of worry, inaction, worry, inaction, less control, you know, all of those things. And so I think to be able to watch, David, like you talked about, to be able to watch enough to stay informed. And and we talk so much about how when we're um, thinking about communicating with kids that we always want to be the source for them. So we're the ones they come to with questions and we give them age appropriate, honest answers that we're always honest with them, but we don't give them more than they're asking for. Cause sometimes that's about us and not about them. But in that, I think we've got to stay informed a little bit to be able to lead in terms of the conversation. And that's really all. I mean, I think watch a little and move on and go outside like we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Being able to be outside has been one of the best gifts for our family. It has just been an amazing way to help have healthy, you know, to just to get vitamin D and to breathe fresh yeah. air and, and to be active. It's just been such a gift to us as a normally very active family that, you know, was a, at the beginning was tempted to be quite a bit more sedentary than we usually are. So with that in mind, as a, as a very healthy way to deal with some of the stress that we are encountering and that we really, you know, we can limit our intake, but there is going to be a certain amount of stress that is greater than what we normally experience while we go through this. I think we, we just need to be honest with ourselves about that. Yeah. Let's see if we can make a list of maybe 10 to 15 healthy ways that our parents can deal with the stressors related to COVID-19 parenting. Maybe you guys can help us come up with some kind of nice list for them. Well, I'll jump in with two and David, then you can follow up with some more, but I got a text from my neighbor who's a dear friend yesterday. And she said, I have these really rickety chairs in my front yard that I don't think anyone sat in since I've lived here. So for 10 years, and she texted me and said, can we sit in the chairs in your front yard for a little bit? We need to social distance from our children. (laughs) I I mean, and I think that's, that's a really healthy coping strategy right now as Parents, you need to be, if your kids are old enough, Aaron, this doesn't work so much for you, but if you can get away from them and go for a walk without them, family walks are great. But I think to be able to have time, whatever that looks like, even if it's staying up a little later than you normally would when they go to bed, you need to be having time to connect because I am hearing more kids in the last week, even talking about their parents fighting more. 
And so just to be aware of that and that that's going to be, there's going to be a good correlation in terms of time you have together kind of is going to take care of some of that fighting that can happen between the TV. So that's one thing I would throw in. And the next one, maybe it's because mine was just being a guard dog, but I'm hearing so many families who are getting pets during this season. Yes. Yes. And that I, is so I, true. Yes. And I think it's such a great thing because not only does it get you outside, hopefully well, you can't walk some pets, but walking and it's this focus for your family where it's not all that you're just facing each other and there's more tension building, but you have this fun, even needy thing in your family that you can all focus and give to. It's like this joint mission. Mm-hmm. And purpose that you share as a family. So I love that. So would be we recently had someone, um, a good friend of ours, say on Facebook, "How many dogs is too many?" You know, they already have three, and he was wondering if four is too many. And they're all really <laughs> little dogs, so it's not like they take up a whole lot of space physically. But those little dogs take up a lot of space with their personality. Uh, That's for sure. I love that. I have seen so many of our friends go out and get a puppy for the first time or get, um, you know, they are rescuing some or whatever. We already have two big dogs and I'm not sure that our, our family can handle another dog uh, <laughs> just from size because we tend to like the big ones. But I tell you what, just laughing at those dogs is so much comic relief. They are so much comic relief for us. They're a hoot. And I think, you know, I would just plug having more than one. If you already have one um, that your family loves and adores, that's great. But having another one, is just a great sense of comic relief between the two of them. So I love that you said that. And I also wanted to say, when you talked about social distancing from your kids, I just kind of felt like I needed to throw in there that all the introverts just said, amen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, they did. I'm an extrovert and I said, amen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always tell my husband, he's like, but you're, but you're an extrovert. It's all this time. I said, I'm an extrovert with everyone except my children. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's a great statement. <laughs> All right. So we have couples time and getting a pet. What, what else do we have to add to these healthy coping mechanisms? Or single parent time. If you're a single yes. parent. Yes, yeah. definitely. I, I love that you added that to see to the list. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be amazing if, you know, when this is, when we're on the other side of this, like if animal shelters were to report, like we emptied out half of the pets who lived here. Like, wouldn't that be the most incredible thing if literally thousands of animals who needed a home got adopted in this time because people had the need sissy named and the space to be training a pet Mm -hmm. more than they ever had. I read about an animal shelter that has no pets left. Yes. I saw saw one too. I don't know if it was the same one. Probably not. I love that. I hope not. I hope it becomes a thing. I'm glad we talked about it here. I would add to the list, and and it's in keeping, Brooke, with what you've already named. Of you all know, anytime I talk about boys, I talk about how we have a lot of physicality to our emotions. So I think the more, and I believe that's true for a lot of females as well. So I think the more stress we're carrying as boys, as adolescent young men, as adult males, I think anytime I make a top five list of coping strategies with boys, I will require them that three of the five have to involve movement of some kind. So. I would, I would extend the list with as many options for movement as possible. And, and I even go deeper into that and I'll require boys to come up with movement options 
indoors if the weather's lousy outdoors. So I'm not even going to let the outdoors, you know, bad weather be an excuse. So I've loved hearing stories of, you know, families who have created stations in their house. You know, they've watched, there's so many uh, owners of gyms and personal trainers. We have a colleague whose husband is, and he can't work right now. The gyms are closed. So he's creating videos online for families to be able to do exercises in their house and their driveway and jump online and find so many of those that are out there. I, I had a family say, we turned our garage into an indoor gym. We turned our house into the set of American Ninja Warrior. And I'm like, good for you. And anytime movement is on the list, I think of any kind, that is one of the most effective ways, I think, to cope with stress. And to, again, back to the regulation piece we've talked about, to take the emotion to something constructive. So I would brainstorm a way with kids to add those kind of things onto the list. And then the we other had, thing, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say on that note, um, well, I, I wanted to share this whole idea, but part of the idea, my husband created a bracket for our family because we were missing March Madness, but it was a family game bracket and it had like various members of our family facing off in different things. And so some of them were board games and some of them were video games, which I don't ever play video games. And our video game uh, experience in the house is fairly low compared to a lot of houses. But, um, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. So I'm like facing off in my kids on N64 games uh, or NES, NES. Sorry, I forgot even which one we were using on the NES. And I've never played these before, but we also added in there like, plank challenges, like who can hold a plank longer or um, push up challenges, you know, with a timer. Uh, there's one that's my husband carrying one of our kids in a sprint against somebody else, like, you know, like things like that. So we mixed up physical stuff with other games and things like that. And the physical challenges while the kids were like, oh, we have to do, you know, race you in push-ups we ended up laughing so much during those and burning a lot of energy doing them because you're laughing and you're doing a physical activity at the same time so I totally agree in a house of boys that those physical challenges and when you make it a game or a competition they're much more likely to get involved and put everything they have into it and um, they also get to count it for their PE credits for a class as there well. There you go. So. <laughs> awesome. I love that. We did some family yoga in our house and it turned into nothing but comic relief because, you know, my <laughs> yes. kids were just doubled over watching me because, you know, I haven't touched my toes since the mid eighties. And so <laughs> it was pure comedy. I love that. I have to confess, I've picked up yoga as well over this um, quarantine. And I keep trying to convince my husband to do it with me because poor man has had two shoulder surgeries, two knee surgeries, and he just, you know, he's, his parts are, have been worked on. And so he gets cramps and, he, you know, all this stuff. And, I'm, and he's very physically fit, but it's like, you got to try this, man. There's just something to it. It's, it's fantastic. But our kids love to come and watch me do it and laugh at me. And of course, the dogs are all over me while I'm doing sure. it too. It is definitely comic relief. <laughs> but that is a good point that the physical activity doesn't, that to relieve stress doesn't all have to be like cardio or things like that. Like yoga is a really good family way to relieve stress or by yourself and in peace and quiet. Because I've had the kids join in on me, join in with me on that before. 
and they're like, oh, that felt really good. Like they didn't saying, even know they needed it. It's hard. Like it is it's never hard. done it before. Yes, it is. Broken, I have broken a sweat several times and my heart rate has been like, it is not easy. So I'm just saying anybody out there that thinks that yoga is the easy way out, it's not. No, it is not. <laughs> hey, and as we're talking about pets and yoga, I have done goat yoga before. And so if you oh live on a goodness. farm, you can do it with your goat. I, I was invited that. to do that once and I couldn't go and I was so mad. I gotta <laughs> I gotta get back there and try that. <laughs> Is Lucy willing to sub in, sissy, if you don't have access to a goat right now? Is there dog yes. yoga? Yeah. Yeah, there should be. <laughs> yes. Oh, fantastic. All right. So let's keep that list going. What are some more healthy ways to deal with the stressors that we have right now? Something well, else I, I'd you go ahead. No, you go, Dave. I was just going to say something else I'd add to the list is we talk a lot about helping kids find purpose and all the different layers of benefit in terms of their emotional well-being. And one of my favorite offerings we've had as, as Daystar as a practice during this time is our executive director came up with this idea called Daily Doses of Daystar. And you can jump on our uh, Instagram and check that out. And it's families of all ages from toddlers all the way through young adults, we even have uh, a woman in her 90s talking about how she's finding purpose right now. So for every age, defining what does it look like to find some meaning and purpose when we have the kind of restrictions on us that we do, that is so important in terms of coping. I love that because, you know, if you had asked my children two months ago what their purpose was, it would have been to prepare for baseball season. Like that, that was their entire mindset was what do I need to do to prepare for JV baseball or what do I need to do to prepare for the travel season? And my younger son had, um, who is just on the verge of 13 is, um, he, he and his team had, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Cooperstown, the Cooperstown, New York event. Uh, it's only for 12 year olds and it's this big tournament and it's a fantastic life once in a lifetime thing. And his team was going to get to go and it got canceled. And so I find, I think that our, our children's identities are changing a little bit. What they, how they identify themselves and what they think of as their purpose is completely and radically different. And so what a wonderful note for parents to think, you know, we, we understand that they have a sense of loss, but to understand what that sense of loss is related to, it's their purpose. They've lost their purpose. They're not sure what they're supposed to be doing or working towards in this season. If we can help them find something um, constructive, then what a, what a great thing. And one of, one of the things that we've done is just, you know, because our kids do love baseball is we've bought a, you know, a, a baseball program that, that they can do online that helps them with, um, you know, speed and agility and, and things like that, that they can do outside, which also touches on, you know, keeping them physical. So whatever your children really enjoy and like, whatever it is that they're missing out on, you can probably find a way to keep them engaged in that, at least on some level. Another thing that we've done, both of my children are musical. And um, we, for, because, because they're getting older now and one is in high school and things like that, and they're really busy, we've had to kind of forego music lessons for a while. They still play all the time. We go to, went to several music jams throughout the week, every week, but, um, but they weren't taking active lessons for a while. Well, now is the perfect time. 
And we've been able to go to their instructor and say, we'd like to start taking lessons again. And so we're able to use Zoom or, or FaceTime or whatever, and they can start taking lessons. And it's a way for them to keep that sense of purpose about what it is that makes them special, what it is that they're interested in. So I love just naming that and, and calling it what it is. Love that. Me too. Awesome. So you guys, if there's more, share them. We'd love to hear everything you have. Oh, well, one of the things, I mean, even pertaining to movement, I don't think you said this, David, but punching bags. I mean, I feel like not only movement, but aggression, because I think frustration is something that's happening for everybody. And we're having families with both genders, kids of all ages that are getting punching bags. And we have on our one of our daily doses of Daystar that David mentioned. That's hard to say, daily doses of Daystar that David mentioned. But they have a punching <laughs> bag and they wrote coronavirus on it. And the kids were out there just, you know, hitting it as hard as they could. And that's a great thing that you can get online and hang in your garage or, you know, wherever you need to put it in your basement. And for kids to be able to use that. I mean, I think just to have a place where they can. I mean, even um, as we're talking about video games, I feel like tennis on Nintendo, I can't remember which Nintendo system that was where you would hit the tennis ball. But things like that, I think, are so helpful. Even hitting a tennis ball against the garage, the, yeah, garage wall. Things that they can do that feel active in that way. One of my favorite coping strategies always for kids is bubble wrap, to have them go and jump on bubble wrap where it pops. And, you know, we need kind of that. It's so gratifying for there to be a noise or, a, you know, some kind of thump to whatever our frustration release is. So, yeah. Punching bags can be a good one. My, uh, my parents got both my sister's family and our family a pickleball net um, that we can oh, set up wow. in our driveway. And um, we're, we're a tennis family. All, my whole family, we've played tennis forever, and we can't go to the courts now. And uh, they, they got us pickleball nets for our driveways. And um, we were out there for like the longest time last weekend, just hitting the ball around. And it was so nice because it was, it was like that feeling of hitting something, yes. but it was also being in the sunshine and moving and man, we just had the best time and it, That's then awesome. it got colder and windy here. So we had to, we haven't set it up again, but it's nice again. And I'm like, I can't wait to get it back out because it's kind of replacing something that we already liked to do that we can't because the courts are closed, but it's also that, that feeling of hitting something and, and getting that um, that release of, yeah. you know, that physical activity in that way that I love. And um, I was just going to say one other thing, because we we're talking a lot about family things. And you mentioned, um, uh, like, parent time by yourself. But I also had a Zoom coffee date with my friends um, a couple week weeks ago. And man, that was nice to just see their faces and talk to them. And um, eat like, somebody outside of my house <laughs> and it did just feel like oh there's other people out there and um that was such a good stress relief for me we each had our coffee and sat there and talked like we were at a coffee shop even though we were in our own homes and um just prioritizing that time to talk to somebody that isn't in your home just yeah. to feel less isolated like that was really really important and the other thing I started um, before all of this at the beginning of Lent, um, I was really struggling with the news period, like I said before, um, and I would usually open up 
some kind of social media or something right away in the morning. And I decided for Lent that I was going to open up the Bible app right away in the morning first and, mm-hmm. and not go to social media of any kind before I had time with Jesus. And I started that before all of this. And I have to tell you that that has made the biggest difference in my life. And I have not stopped since Lent ended because I can't start the day without it now. And for me, that relieved a lot of stress of seeing the world when I woke up right away through the news or through Jesus. And which one was I going to go to first? And I feel like God was preparing me for all of this before I even knew I needed it and, and go on. So um, those are such, I, I was writing down all your ideas. So that was totally great. Okay, guys, so what are some signs that parents can look for that indicate their children need extra attention and help? Maybe that things are not necessarily going well for them. What can parents be looking for? Okay, I'll jump on first. Um, So I would say one is if, I mean, we talked about how so many kids are not anxious right now. And those, it feels like those are the kids who are typically anxious because of performance, because of pressure more perfectionistic types of kids or kids who have a little bit of social anxiety because obviously those triggers are not in place for them. But the kids who are fearful about, I mean, two of the most common other ones are about something bad happening to somebody they care about or getting sick. And so good grief for those kids, they're being triggered all over the place. But, and, and we could say this may be especially true for girls who are so intuitive, they're going to be dialed in if you're worried. I had a lot of girls who said to me last week in a group counseling session, they were saying, when my parents are stressed out, it makes me so much more anxious. And I think kids are typically not as aware of our emotions because they're not in the house or they're not around or they're off doing their homework or sports or whatever. And so I feel like kids are dialed in a little bit more than usual. So often they won't tell you because they don't want to make you more anxious if they sense that you are already. And so for those kids Things like if they are having repetitive tummy aches or headaches, the things we would know already would be indicators of anxiety, or they're more tearful at bedtime or having trouble sleeping in general. Or one of the other biggest tip-offs, I think, about anxiety is looping questions. So if they're not necessarily talking about it, but they're saying, you know, what's happening with our state? When are things going to change? You know, how how many people are sick? I mean, if they're asking questions, even more specific questions where you can tell they're dialed in more than you thought they were, those would all be indicators that they're feeling anxious. All right. You both know the focus of our ministry here at Million Praying Moms is to help parents make prayer their first and best response to the challenges of parenting. Could you share a verse or passage parents can be praying for their children and themselves during quarantine? What comes to mind when you think of that? I love to. I'll jump in with one. I actually was just reading this this morning um, in some quiet time. I was in the Psalms and I was so affected by this. Psalm 92 says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praise to your name most high, to declare your faithful love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. And you all know we've even written a lot about this. And are my kids on track that there just is so much science behind gratitude and how that resets the brain in really profound ways. And I know that I've even written books about that. And still I live like I've never heard that before. And so I think the wisdom of starting 
in that place. And, and what struck me even as I was reading that is right above it in Psalm 91, 14, it says, because he has his heart set on me. And I was so affected by reminding myself of those words. Um, and the, I think the care of that, because I think every one of us, I love Sissy's statement a little bit earlier about where we all go in our Enneagram number with worry and fear. You know, I can go straight to a place of, of just thinking I'm not cared for. I won't be provided for what I need is not going to be there. All those things. And there just is no truth in that because he has his heart set on me. So those are the words I'm holding on to today and the next day and the next day. And I'll just jump right in because God brought to mind one of my favorite verses the other day, which feels so timely right now. And it's Jeremiah 30, 17 through 20. And it says, as for you, I'll come with healing, curing the incurable because they all gave up on you and dismissed you as hopeless. That good for nothing Zion. Again, God's message. I'll turn things around for Jacob. I'll compassionately come in and rebuild homes. The town will be rebuilt on its old foundations. The mansions will be splendid again. Thanksgivings will pour out of the windows. Laughter will spill through the doors. Things will get better and better. Depression days are over. They'll thrive. They'll flourish. The days of contempt will be over. They'll look forward to having children again, to being a community in which I take pride. Mm, I love that. Truth and hope right there. Mm. Fill your heart with truth and hope. That is so beautiful. David and Sissy, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, tell our listeners where they can find you and stay connected with you guys. Raisingboysandgirls.com is our website. And then we are mostly on Instagram. Um, that's probably our primary platform at Raising Boys and Girls. And then I have my own account too. So, but all three of those places. Awesome. All right. That's it for today, friends. As always, you can find any specifics from our show in our show notes at millionprayingmoms.com, including links to David and Sissy's very important books for parents. This will be a great time to just soak in their library. Join us next week for another episode of the Million Praying Moms podcast. Hello, this is Dr. Doug Grotheis, host of Truth Tribe, where we seek the truth through reason and evidence about what matters most. And we are not tribal since truth is for everyone. Please join me at the Truth Tribe as I discuss the reasons for Christian faith, the Christian worldview, and moral issues such as abortion and gender ideology. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search Truth Tribe on your favorite podcast app.